Hello, and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Second Chance Cinema with MC and Spro. We are going to curse. The show's explicit. Just a fair warning, we are going to spoil the movie's ending. We're going to spoil the movie's surprises, the twists and turns. And Zathura is available on Netflix. So if you want to watch it before you listen to this week's episode, we highly recommend that. We hope you enjoy the show. Do you want to open us up? No, that always fails. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up! And listen to me, dad put me in charge until he got home, which means you guys need to do what I say. Do me a favor, go downstairs and stay out of my face. But it's an emergency. Is the house on fire? No. Is anyone hurt? No, but- Then leave. Lisa, please, we're really scared. Can you just watch what this game does? If this is some weird kind of joke you guys are trying to pull, you're dead. No, no, it's not a joke. joke. Here, watch it. Watch it. Okay, um, so. Wind the key. All right. So I'm winding the key. Yeah. See. And then push, push the button. button. Push it up there. Yeah. I'm pushing the button. So and then the number winds and whatever the number is, like nine. nine. Then your ship, the blue ship, because the red ship is mine. I got a five. So then it goes to nine, which would be that thing. All right. And then the card's gonna pop out. The card. The card. The card. The card. Oh. The card. The scary part. All right. You're promoted to a starship captain. Move ahead two spaces. Fascinating. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another exciting episode of Second Chance Cinema. Not just exciting, but intergalactically exciting as we dive into a movie that I will admit I've been keeping this a secret from you, Spro. I did not see until yesterday and sort of forgot existed until a week ago when you suggested it for this edition. Intergalactic because the bulk of the movie takes place... In a house, in space, the premise of the movie owes a lot to some movies that came before it, which is possibly why this movie went under the radar, which is possibly why it didn't get the love that it so clearly deserves, and which is why it's a perfect pick for our show. Welcome to Second Chance Cinema. I am your host, MC. As always, with me, my out-of-this-world good friend and other host, Spro. Spro, how are you? I am fantastic. Now, this was your pick, was it not? No. <laughs> Fuck no. This was not. I've ne- this I, made a list somehow. I have never. I was aware this movie existed. I had never seen it until the day before yesterday and then finished it yesterday. I. That's really it. Like, I knew it existed. I knew the basic premise. And I knew that at the time I kind of had no interest in seeing it. But after having watched it, I mean, there's a lot to unpack here. There is a lot to unpack. I'm now I'm curious. This had to be a listener suggestion. And now we don't have the listener that suggested it uh, here because I am just like you. I didn't see it until I texted you probably about like two days ago. I put it on my Netflix queue because I know that it made our list somehow. And Mm. I did not want to watch it for what 15 16 years because Mm -hmm. i thought it was a ripoff of another movie and i was like i'm not gonna waste my time on that and then i did watch it i put it on the netflix queue because i was like this might be something that we do and it is on netflix right now as people are listening to this episode it had me from like the get and i was like this is a good movie and then i did a deep dive on research and whatnot and I know exactly why this movie failed. I didn't dive as deep into like scratching the surface of just
just like trivia and didn't even remember when it came out. Didn't remember, like couldn't believe who was in it. And it was just kind of a surface level examination. But the movie, in case you didn't read the title of the episode you clicked on, we're talking about is Zathura, which is a space adventure set between reality and fantasy came out in 2005 and i mean i suppose right out of the gate we might as well just jump into the comparison basically the the bulk of the critical reviews said that this was essentially jumanji in space which we'll we'll mm-hmm. talk about that a little bit more not wrong but also not right at all for a number of reasons before we dive into the movie though what do you say we spin that wheel decide how we're going to pay tribute for those of you new listeners if there are any the wheel of poetry is the most long standing tradition in the history of podcasts all podcasts not just ours goes back to the 1970s during the um the very first podcast ever which was done by the Bee Gees i think i have to i'll have to verify that look it up but Basically, what it is is a Wheel of Fortune type wheel that has five different types of poetry on it. Those types of poetry are haiku, ABAB, limerick, song parody, and toast slash roast. So they're not all traditional poetry, but they're all some form of, you know, verbal tribute that we spin and then at random or whatever we land on, we have to compose while you get to listen to the trailer for the film. All right. So without further ado, let's let's spin that wheel and see what we land on. Wow. Okay. This is one. It landed on toast slash roast, which I think, to my knowledge, we've only done one other time, I believe. Yeah. Which was Dante's Peak, if I'm not mistaken, when Jeremy was on. So um, basically, while you listen to the trailer for Zathura, we are going to each write our own... um, homage so to speak that that in essence takes a little bit of the piss out of this this epic space adventure so here's the trailer for zathura and we will be right back i have a really important meeting this afternoon and i have to be ready for it there's nothing i can do well i don't want to stay here alone there are some days when you need to grow up all at once and i need today to be one of those days i'll be right back how about if you and me play catch no you're dead sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry I said I was sorry. Don't! Walter! (sighs) This is so cool! Check this out! Will you play with me? First person to the black planet wins. this for me. All it says to give you that.
cell. Right outside your door. Okay, so the trailer for Zathura. There's a lot more to the movie than the trailer lets on. And we'll get into that after we take the mic and toast slash roast this, or at least parts of this underrated film. Spro, do you want to go first? Sure, I toasted. Did you toast or did you roast? I I did a little bit of both, I think. So if you toast it, I'll give you a cheers. Oh, wait, that was terrible. (laughs) Hold on. I'll give you a cheers. Those were two of the finest Coors Banquet stubbies in my house tonight. So you're you're off to a good start. Nice. All right. To John Favre, who hit the scene with Elf, not the one on the shelf, he said Zathura was a lesson, considered the experience less than, and then dropped John Carter for Iron Man. Wait, do these have to rhyme? No. I just uh, oh. felt like I had to. Wow, you just you just decided to you just okay, fine. You just you just decided to to throw a little nos in this pissing contest. Okay, fine. So mine again is a toast slash roast. I think it's it's from the heart and it is no ill will, but hopefully you'll get it when I say what I'm about to say. So cheers to you, Tim Robbins. Why are you here? You're an amazing dramatic actor, relegated to a cardboard cutout character of a dad. Easily the most replaceable character of the entire film. Oh, never mind. Cheers to you, Kristen Stewart. (laughs) Now, nothing against Kristen Stewart or Tim Robbins. I have a great Tim Robbins story. I'm sure I've said it many times on this podcast, but we open the film with the family unit of Tim Robbins as credited as dad, which on one hand is, I suppose, refreshingly basic. But on the other hand, to coin a phrase, it was a waste of Tim Robbins. But him and his two sons, the younger one, Danny, and the older one, Walter, are playing catch. And it's a pretty typical dynamic. The older son, I think, was like 10, and the younger son was like 7 or 8, if I recall. And the older one is athletic and good at catching the ball, good at throwing the ball, while the younger one struggles and is, you know, more creative, more cerebral, artistic, whatever. What was his job again, Tim Robbins? He was like a designer or something, right? Yeah, he had blueprints. They weren't blueprints, though, right? They were like mock-ups of cars. Is that just designs? then i feel like blueprints are just the prints that are blue of engineering right no for all we know he could have worked for (laughs) for mattel and was designing hot wheels anyway the point is he has this gorgeous blueprint of uh, or gorgeous drawing design whatever you want to call it of a of a car on his desk and as the brothers are roughhousing around shenanigans ensue and the young one throws a ball and it knocks over a cup of juice or something on the desk and it soils the drawing and that's how we get dad out of the house he basically says i have to go run off another copy i'll be back in 10 minutes so that was Tim Robbins, Act One. Um, <laughs> well, I do want to point out there's only six people in this cast. There's it's true. Walter, Danny, astronaut, Lisa, Dad, voice robot. So you don't need Dad to have a name. He's only, there's only one Dad in the whole Absolutely. thing, right? That's so completely fair. He, do you get what I'm saying? Like this is Tim Robbins. Like this is 
this is oh, yeah, Andy Dufresne right here. <laughs> right, this is and this is Andy Dufresne in a like a, a Brooks Brothers shirt in the front yard for all of two minutes playing catch with two little kids, and then he says, "Got to go to the office," and that's the last we see him. I mean, it was basically a glorified cameo, kind of, right? Right, which maybe is one of the reasons, one of the accolades that this got was Avi Kaufman won the award for casting director of the year because this was one of her movies. So maybe the fact that she got Tim Robbins and Kristen Stewart, Dax Shepard, Jonah Bobo, and uh, Josh Hutcherson, who like I didn't even realize was the guy from Hunger Games until I, I looked it up because he's so young well, in this film. We'll get we'll get into that theory in a minute. But okay, so you know more about this than I do. So if you win casting director of the year, what does that mean? Does that mean that you were able to cast high name actors in most of your movies, or does it mean that you did a good job picking people to play the characters? Like what is what is that what does that entail? Both, both, right? So like Hollywood Film Awards that gives out the casting director of the year, there's two things that you got to do. You got to find one, find the perfect person for the role, right? And then you got to win that person person because it's almost every film is almost like a NFL draft. Like you have to be able to work out the schedules of all the actors involved, make sure that they all line up and realize that like, you know, with six people, it's probably easier than if you did like gangs in New York with a hundred people and be like, Mm -hmm. can everybody make it to my party on Mm -hmm. 60 days in a row, you know, like type of thing. Right. So she also, she not only did Zathura, but she did Capote, Brokeback Mountain, Get Rich or Die Trying. Syriana. What, what, what was Get Rich or Die Trying? Oh, that was a 50 Cent movie, wasn't it? <laughs> that was, yeah, that was the 50 yeah Cent that's movie. right. Okay. That took me. So I, I was, was thinking all- that was the movie. What was the movie with Will Ferrell where he's. Get hard? Uh, yeah, I was about to say, what was the movie with Will Ferrell where he plays a white guy? But <laughs> and then I realized, wait a minute. But yeah, the one where he's about to go to jail and Kevin Hart like yeah. is, is supposed to school him on like how to be a tough guy in prison. Yeah, that's okay. Which, get hard, not get rich or die trying. How did we start talking about this again? That there was only six people in the cast, and that's why Tim oh, right, Robbins right, is right, named right. Dad. Right. So right. So Tim Robbins leaves. And that's when, before he leaves, we're introduced briefly to Lisa as the sort of typical teenage daughter. I don't think they ever say her age, but you get the feeling she's like 15, 16, doesn't want to get out of bed, just wants to listen to her angsty music, has a date that night, all that kind of stuff. And then dad leaves, the two boys then become the focus, and the younger boy goes down, I think he goes down in the basement, finds this game called Zathura. Zathura is a game that he figures out how to play and essentially as he plays each turn puts him and his brother and then eventually his sister in more danger by essentially throwing them further into space. And if that sounds familiar, it's because there are a lot of similarities to the movie Jumanji. Jumanji came out in 1995, a full 10 years before Zathura. But the mechanism of kids get trapped in a board game was not too hard to pinpoint sort of where that idea came from. And I think that's that's our first sort of red flag as to why this movie didn't get the love it deserved because like we said at the beginning people just looked at it and said oh it's Jumanji in space we should just get into it now they were originally going to call this Jumanji 2 
this was going to be Jumanji in space. And the reason why they did not is that John Favreau did not like Jumanji and didn't want any parallels to that movie. Now, why he didn't like Jum- Jumanji is a favorite. It's a fan favorite. It's why people, I think, turned away from Zathura is because they were like, it's Jumanji without Robin Williams. You know, like mm-hmm. now I show the original Jumanji to my kids before I would show them the the sequels that star Jack Black and The Rock and everything like that. But even oh, Jack yeah. Black, he acknowledges that Zathura is part of the Jumanji world. And okay. Jack Black is hoping that like Jumanji 3 maybe will go out in space and pay homage to Zathura. Okay, so that's cool. It's really, I, I, I don't want to put it all on John Favreau's shoulders, but I also kind of do because I feel like if they just owned it, like, so Jumanji was based off of a book, a book by the guy named Chris Von Alsper. And he wrote that book in 1981. Yeah, he wrote Jumanji in 1981. It was a children's illustrated book. He wrote Zathura in 2002. And then three years later, this came out. So it's by the same writer. Why didn't they just own it? Because that is when this movie came out there, it was just like a ripoff of Jumanji and everybody made first impression based off of that alone. And I think everybody kind of avoided it. And while like if you look at the numbers, it's Critically, it's pretty praised as far as like the movies that we have that go, you know, mm-hmm. on our show. But it was a box office flop. Like it was mm-hmm. beat on its opening weekend. It was beat by the second weekend of Chicken Little. <laughs> and then what? like the weekend after it came out, Harry Potter came out and and then it was oh, buried. So death sentence. As I watched it, like and again, I this is the first time I'd seen it. I've only seen it once. And that was two days ago. The similarities to Jumanji are obvious. Kids board game, mischief, shenanigans, lesson at the end. But the main difference for me, and I think this is where Zathura outshines Jumanji, was that in Jumanji, well, first of all, Jumanji was 1995. And it relied, from what I recall, pretty heavily on special effects, CGI effects. Mm-hmm. And they were pretty terrible, if I recall. I'm, I'm thinking specifically of the monkeys and there was a lion, I think. Definitely some cool puppetry and practical effects and stuff like that. But you know, it was definitely it's definitely of its time. And the other thing about Jumanji was that the two kids found the game. And then once they started playing the game, the game sort of took over the whole town, the threats from the game, like the monkeys and the stampede and all that took over the whole town. Like there were scenes where they were in the convenience store and there were monkeys on the shelves and stuff like that. And so it got out of its own self-contained universe and became this bigger thing. You know, the monkeys stole the police car. David the, Allen the, Greer. David Allen Greer. The, the mosquitoes were trying to stab people through the convertible roofs and all that stuff. It just instantly opened up the floodgates. Whereas with Zathura, like you said, there's only six people in the cast and the entirety of the movie takes place in that house with the exception of like the front yard and stuff. But the entirety of that movie takes place in such a self-contained environment that I felt like the relationships between the characters, even though the dynamic could have been helped by, you know, like a Kirsten Dunst caliber actor in one of the roles, I felt like the little brother and the big brother eventually really cared about each other more than they did at the beginning. And that's the character arc. Richard's back! I did it! You won the game! I won the game! We're home! I beat the Zathura! We're home! We're home! I distinctly remember asking you guys not to kill each other. Dad! Dad. It was so awesome there was this game and it threw us to outer space! 
Sounds like a lot of fun. And I feel like a lot of that had to do with the fact that they were in the shit, essentially, in this house for the whole movie. Oh, they were completely believable. When he knocks over the juice and then just starts running away saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, I was like, yep, nope, that's that's how you try to get away with things back in the mm-hmm. day, right? Mm-hmm. Their relationship, the way that they interacted with each other, like the writing, the writing surprised me because I'll be honest, another reason why maybe I shied away from this. I don't really like, uh, how do I want to word this so I don't sound... Do you want to say, get me a juice box, biatch? Because that was a great line. (laughs) That was a great line. Like, I feel like that became like a, what was the one when we were in college? Like, I'm Rick James, bitch. Like, I feel like I've I've heard, get me a juice box, biatch, from elsewhere. Didn't know it was from this movie. It kind of made me cringe only because I, when it came to like this movie, I was like, oh, I could show my kids this movie. And Mm. they freaked out when I showed him Princess Bride. And he said, I want my father back, you son of a bitch. And like, the kids were like, oh my gosh. I was like, you're in seventh grade. Like, I remembered when, was it our eighth grade graduation? We all sat down and watched Forrest Gump together. And there's sex and drugs and suicide and fuck and dude in eighth, in eighth grade in eighth grade we watched glory we, we <laughs> watched glory in eighth grade do you you've seen glory yeah yeah right nowadays like you can't get away with anything the first scene of glory is the the general getting his head blown off by a cannonball and all of us sitting in eighth grade are like all right so we're here now we're we're in for the, <laughs> we're 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 on we're on board for this all right let's do this but yeah you're right i don't know maybe get me a juice box biatch is too risque for the the seventh grade crowd these days and like lisa completely reminded me of my older sister sleeping in all day and only wanting to go see her boyfriend at night like so i think the writing was really good and usually the the one screenwriter that I'm sure did a, a lot of touch up work on it is David Coep. I avoid his movies a lot of the time only because like he's responsible for Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, Indiana Jones 4, you know, Jurassic Park. No. Or is that somebody else? He did Jurassic Park and then he did The Lost World. Okay. And and then he did the Chris Pine, Jack Ryan. He did like the Dan Brown novels with the long haired Tom Hanks and Angels and Demons. God, that's Um, weird. But there's like, he's a very hit and miss because he's also got this film called Trigger Effect, which I really want to do on this show starring Dermot Mulroney and uh, Elizabeth Shue about all the power going off and then how people will go crazy. If I almost want them to remake that one because I think if people lose the internet now, I want to see society devolve mm-hmm. if we, how we think society, I don't want to see a society devolve. I want to see how we think society will devolve if we lose all of our electronics. Have you been paying attention to Texas lately, Spro? Oh my, yeah, I got I got a lady friend down in Texas who that's just right, showered that's right. for the first time today. Good for you, Texas. That's that's <laughs> we're we're glad to hear that. Yeah, I mean they were like boiling water and putting it into the bathtub with cold water to try and get like bath water. Like I was like, wow, you're like 1830s over there. I mean that's um, just an entirely different level of fucked up. But again, and I feel like I'm going to ask this a lot. How did we get here again? What were we talking about originally? Oh, David Coop. Yeah. So I have to hand it to him on this one. He does the children's interactions, the the brothers' interactions really well. And there are a lot of times in this movie where you're thinking one thing and maybe helped a little bit by like Dax Shepard, where you think like something's going to go one way and it just completely surprises you that it doesn't go that I'm speaking specifically for like the wishes that the brothers Mm -hmm. that the one brother gets to make and I was like oh shit and like Dax Shepard was like don't do it and I was Mm -hmm. like he's gonna do it and then no Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know I don't want to spoil much but well I mean spoiler alerts are commonplace with this show don't wish what you're thinking you don't know what I'm thinking 
Yeah, well, I can tell it ain't good. Listen, no matter how good an idea seems like when you're angry, it never is. You gotta trust me on this one, Walter. Tell me. No, you know the rules about wishing. If I told you, what could Tell me what you wished for. Get off me. Danny! Danny! But like the... So the way the game works, it's the same as Jumanji, essentially. It's... Yep. You roll the... not a, It's not dice. It's like a clicker or something. You take your turn. A card pops out, and it's got this cryptic message on it, and then something happens, whether it's like a meteor shower or a black hole or whatever. And uh, one of the cards is a shooting star. And it says you get to make a wish on the shooting star. So the older brother is the one who draws that card. And he's at a point where he's like super, super fed up with the younger brother. And he it's this dramatic scene where he kind of like runs upstairs and he's ready to watch the shooting star and make his wish. And even in the audience, you're like, oh, he's going to wish for his little brother to go away and shit's going to get real. And by this time, we're introduced to the astronaut character who came via one of the earlier cards that said rescue stranded astronaut. And so they let the astronaut into the house and the astronaut follows him upstairs. And he, and like you said, he's like, don't do it. Don't do it. You don't want to do it. You don't want to do it. And he makes his wish and it turns out to be like a pump fake. And he wishes for a Brett Favre autograph football, which if there wasn't a bigger sign of the times um, <laughs> in, in a movie wishing for a Brett Favre autograph football i think that's pretty top notch so then what got me was and i saw this coming I, I i was proud of myself because as soon as the kid drew the older brother drew the card that he, it was a very specific card that said you've been promoted to space admiral then the astronaut comes on board the kid says you gotta listen to me i'm a space admiral and then the astronaut pulls out the same card and he's like big deal i got one of those too from when i started playing the game well, I'm Fleet Admiral, and I'm telling you to hit the road. <clears throat> I apologize, sir. I didn't. I didn't realize you were Fleet Admiral. In fact, I. I'm a Fleet Admiral too. It's just a card, bug nuts. Right then, I was like, aha, I know what's going to happen. I didn't get the sixth sense the first time I saw it. I didn't get the village the first time I saw it. I didn't predict either of those, but I predicted the fuck out of Zathura. <laughs> what they end up revealing is that the astronaut is the older brother 15 years in the future after having wished away the little brother. So the parallel to Jumanji there is in Jumanji, the kids, Kirsten Dunst and the little brother, lose their parents in a car accident. Then they find the game, and this is, I forget how many years later, after Robin Williams as a little boy gets sucked into it. So they start playing the game, they release him, they finally finish the game, and things go back to when Robin Williams was a little boy. Fast forward, Robin Williams grows up. I forget if he marries 
was it Helen Hunt? The one, Laura Bonnie Hunt? Hunt? Bonnie Hunt, yes. She's the fourth player in the game. They then exist in the timeline, and they meet the little kids, Kirsten Dunst and the brother, for the first time. And the little kids say something like, oh, yeah, our parents, or the parent, and they're with their parents, and their parents say, yeah, we're going to take a drive and go on a ski trip. And Robin Williams and Bonnie Hunt are like, no, don't, because that was the cause of their death. So there's this, this sort of tie-in of manifest destiny and the choices we make and the repercussions and all that kind of stuff that Zathura tied in really cleverly. And I feel like a lot more simply, I think, than Jumanji did. And I think a lot of that had to do with, again, the self-contained environment, the little cast, and honestly, the fact that the cards were so succinct. Like it wasn't like a rhyme that you had to interpret and then monkeys popped out of the floorboards. It was basically like, here comes a fucking meteor shower, you know, save the astronaut. And then we finally get the big reveal that Dax, the astronaut, is the older brother from the future and somehow hasn't had to shave in 15 years. A <laughs> couple good points. I think I was on the opposite side of the audience than you were then. You you predicted it with the card and I thought the card was being like kind of meta of being like, it's just a piece of paper, you know? So I kind of right. chuckled at that part when he's like, big deal, I got that one too. And I was like, <laughs> so not everything is going to be falling meteors and, you know, like man-eating lizards and stuff like this game. He's just going to be like, you're not an admiral, you're a child. So I chuckled at that. Also, the other thing that that this movie has that probably Jumanji did not. You got John Favreau behind it. You know, he's going to start that whole Marvel universe that we were talking about with Iron Man in a couple of years. And that's with my toast. Instead of Iron Man, he was going to do John Carter. Remember that movie? I remember its existence. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that's so that's the almost, best I can give you. So Jumanji was Joe Johnston, who we've talked about on this before because he did Jurassic Park three, but he also did like The Wolfman and other films. So he, I don't think he's as good as John Favreau. And John Favreau, I think, is much better when it comes to directing children, as evidenced by you know what we've seen also with his Disney movies. And I feel like he's more of a kid at heart. So I mentioned that we were doing this to Jeremy, our frequent guest, and he got he was excited. He mentioned it, it was another dig at J.J. Abrams. Oh, Zathura is very underrated. And then he said his son made the point that while everyone praises hacks like J.J. Abrams, Favreau is Hollywood's secret weapon. He really hasn't made a bad movie. The only one that I could think of was made, which, again, was not bad under the radar and not celebrated, but still like, you know, not a terrible movie. Do you like Cowboys and Aliens? I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I was underwhelmed. I mean, it's easy. It's it's not certainly in like my top three of Favreau movies, but like I think I, I don't know why I, it's been a while since I've seen it. I just remember being like, ah, cool premise. I wonder how they're going to do this. And then just kind of walking out of the movie and, you know, leaving it all in the theater, I guess. <laughs> Kind of left I remember it all being like, well, it doesn't have a catchy Will Smith song like Wild Wild West did, but no. it was, <laughs> it was, I, I feel like Will Smith should have been in Cowboys and Aliens because it would have combined Wild Wild West and, oh, and Independence Day. You know? Oh, I was just yeah. saying Independence Day. In terms of futuristic slash steampunk wild wild west movies um i would give the edge to cowboys and aliens over wild wild west because that was just steaming garbage god bless that we're we're children of the millennium i mean we got to live through will 2k big willy style like man we had it good we really did kids today don't know the millennium and it shows Anyway, so the the big reveal is is that the astronaut who was this Dax's like first mainstream role? Yes. 
And he, to me, I mean, again, he the character was great. I don't know that he, as an actor, made it more or less awesome or whatever, but it was a really good, you know, relationship that he formed with the kids and the banter back and forth was awesome. And like I said, the reveal was really sweet. It was a little weird when he morphed into Josh Hutcherson and then transported himself into the real Josh, the real the present time Josh Hutcherson. But, you know, forgivable because one of the things that was so awesome about this movie was its reliance on practical effects as opposed to special effects. And I'm talking specifically about the robot and the what were they called? Zorgons. Gorgons. Which, no, Gorgons yep. are, aren't they ancient Greek mythology? Like, the wasn't Medusa a Gorgon? Gorgon? Maybe. Well, so the easy way to remember this is Zathura starts with Z. Zorgon yep. also starts with Z. Not to be confused with Zordon from the Power Rangers. Anyway, the Zorgons were these lizard creatures who I thought, as I was watching the movie, that they were going to be, like, we weren't going to see them. I thought that we were going to, that they were going to be, like, shadows and... You know, maybe like a whip tail here or there, or like a claw or something. But they full on reveal them as these like bipedal lizard creatures. And they looked awesome. I mean, they looked like velociraptors in like combat suit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I thought, too. Um, and the robot is one of the cards they draw says something like fix the robot. It's broken or something like that. Reprogram. And this little Reprogram. Right. And this little tiny robot walks out and you're like, ha ha ha. Oh, that's silly because it comes. It's got this big fanfare entrance where there's this giant shadow. And then this little tiny robot walks on the screen and you're like, oh, whoo, whoa, dodged a bullet there. Then it turns into this big giant mean robot. And that was all from what I understood. That was all puppeteer and voiced by Frank Oz. Yep. And Stan Winston is the one that created all these effects. The fact that 10 years later, Zathura was able to rely on such quality practical effects, that really bumped it up a notch for me because I'll take a sweet looking puppet over, you know, a CGI capuchin monkey any day of the week. Oh, yeah. I mean, practical effects are like it's not that that's the thing I love so much about the original Hellboy movies was Mm -hmm. that he relied so much on puppeteering and bodysuits and actors and makeup and that's the last I can't remember another movie that the practical effects just sort of blew me away like those two movies but this one again was it was a different vibe it was the it, the robot kind of looked like the Iron Giant if I'm not mistaken mm-hmm. they had the first scene where they meet him and he stalks them around and then he gets sucked out into space and then he comes back and then he like short circuits or something I don't remember how they deactivate him in the beginning but then he comes back at the end and they're able to reprogram him to fight the zorgons so it's a nice kind of you know even the robot had a nice arc and i would say that the one the one character that that really just like for lack of a better word disposable was the older sister because she spends most of the movie as an ice cube and mm. then sort of randomly dethaws and gets thrown into all this with no explanation. Like she does like, they don't even bother to say we played this magic board game and now we're stuck in space. Like she just kind of comes down from the bathroom and she's just like, all right, uh, so here we are now let's, Oh, the astronaut's pretty hot. Let's do what he says. <laughs> yeah. More could be done with her, but she, I like Kristen Stewart. I think Kristen Stewart is one of those people that get a bad rap. I, I mean, I have nothing. I, I honestly, I have, 
haven't seen Kristen Stewart in enough things to have an informed opinion. Every time, I mean, like when Twilight was around, the only times I, I ever saw her was when, when I couldn't find the remote fast enough to change the channel. I don't have an opinion of her other than, and it wasn't even her the actress. It was just more the character. Like she spends the first 45 yeah. minutes of the movie as an ice cube. Then she gets dethawed randomly. She does kind of have the plot point where she turns on the heat and that's what attracts the Zorgons. But then it was it was a little I had to suspend my disbelief that this 15, 16 year old girl would just walk downstairs and see that the house was in space and that everything was destroyed around her and just kind of be like, all right, let's go. What are we doing? What's the plan? Yeah. Not not like what the not like what the fuck happened? And even the kids didn't offer up an explanation like, oh, Lisa, you're okay. The board game came to life. Like, like, I feel like that's the first thing I would say. It's like, holy shit, the board game came to life. Thank God you're here. But I don't know. I'm going to throw David Coep under the bus on this one because this kind of (laughs) just reminds me of when, you know, the girl was like crying all day in the lost world and then she does gymnastics and drop kicks a velociraptor in the face yeah. and then goes back to like that's what Kristen Stewart seems in this one it's like oh god the the shower water is cold oh man we're in outer space <laughs> like that was like the mm. two things I didn't realize she was now we see we know Kristen Stewart, but she was only 15 when they made this movie and she was only acting for like this was like three years after she got discovered really for Panic Room. Oh, that's right. Panic Room again. And that's not a knock against her, the actress. I just thought that like, you know, what would have been funny would be like because when she was an ice cube, I, I think I laughed out loud possibly the most when they were trying to move her as an ice cube like she was just this Kristen Stewart size ice cube and they're like trying to shove her up the stairs and then there were some points I think unless I'm imagining this when the house would like take a hit from a meteor or would Mm -hmm. spin around and uh, it would cut it it would gravitational field which was all practical they put the house up on uh, hydraulics and were really moving and and it would it would cut to her in the bathroom as an ice cube and she would be like slamming back and forth against the wall. Like that was funny. Um, <laughs> she got thawed and I don't even like she got thawed and her clothes weren't even wet. If I recall, like she just stood up in the bathroom and was like, what's going on? Then decided that it was too cold. Definitely wasn't Stallone coming out of cryo freeze. In demolition. No, no, you thought about that too, right? You thought like, <laughs> oh, holy shit. If Planet Hollywood was around, this Kristen Stewart ice cube would be suspended from the ceiling over the bar. I miss Planet Hollywood's. I miss Planet Hollywood too, man. I went there in Orlando, I think. I don't know why that place was made you feel so awesome because it sucked. Like there was like, the, I mean, the food couldn't tell you a thing about it. All of the restaurants were basically the same, like it, it, it save for maybe like they all had relatively like the same props and the same screen used things, unless I'm completely misremembering this. It was hard rock for Hollywood, right? Oh, yeah, totally. And I mean, but when you went in there, you were like, man, I am I'm 11 years old and I am I'm the biggest baller in the world right now. <laughs> and I'm going to pay $15 for a Pepsi. Well, my parents are going to pay $15 for a Pepsi. So we get to the end of the movie. And of course, they finish the game. They beat the game in kind of a convenient way, which was, oh, he rolls a one. He needs to go 10 spaces. He rolls a one. And then the card that pops out says something like, you hit a warp zone, go nine spaces, which was kind of like, that was definitely less dramatic than the ending of Jumanji, where the dice 
he drops the dice and then it rolls for like 10 minutes down the stairs and like down the street and like down the sewer and all that. And finally it lands on the number he needs and then everything reverses. But again, it's the same effect. It, it, everything turns back time. Um, the house is back to normal and they're sitting there in the same spots that they were before. Dad comes home. You know, we, we start with Tim Robbins. We end with Tim Robbins. <laughs> he <laughs> delivers his lines like, huh, you guys sound like you had a fun time oh you know what there was one more character in this movie mom who no name doesn't get named doesn't really get characterized and then just pulls up in a random car at the end as the kids go and like jump into her crv they allude but you to don't the even fact see her that, no you don't you you never see her she's she's named as mom and there are a couple of lines that i thought were like a little bit forced and a little bit just mean-spirited like you're the reason mom and dad got divorced when before that they were arguing about like you're the reason the zorgons are here and then he immediately goes to well you're the reason mom and dad got divorced it's like hey come on that's a low blow we're, we're talking about zorgons here let's let's keep let's keep on topic we can talk about that later she just pulls up at the end of the movie and they all agree the the brothers and the sister all agree not to mention anything about it which is you know i would i would be interested to see a behind the music 15 years later whether or not they're all in therapy about you know the adventures they spent in zathura but then the movie ends i like the fact that they were like this is a standalone film like jumanji had that the drum beat the game washes up on shore or something like that oh right right, we can make a second one but this one was like no 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 we're kind of done two things that i was tracking as an adult Tim Robbins does deliver the line at the very beginning, like, oh, you don't like this house? You don't like this beautiful house? I'm trying to fix it up. And so, like, during the whole thing, when, like, the robot is too big to go through doorways and just is making huge doorways and he's blowing up dad's desk with all the other work in it and whatnot, I was like, oh, God, if this house is trashed, <laughs> you know, like, I know right. the kids are going to, they're not going to kill the kids in this. I know the kids are going to survive, but I was like, if this house is trashed when dad gets home, like, this, this is this man's life work. Like, I feel bad so you didn't think they were going to turn back time and like the house was going to be back to normal no i thought like i was picturing tim robbins like gonna walk in and like the last piece of a door frame like falls behind him like in uh home alone kevin what did you do to my room like that yeah, kind of thing? something like that like because he's so good at like the that like that face that he gives uh-huh. that we know from like nothing to lose of just like right, right, right. my life is ruined you know like right. were you expecting Kristen stewart to come back because she gets sucked in the black hole and oh. so I was kind of the second That's thing I was thinking question. was like Tim Robbins is going to be like, where's your sister? And they were going to be like, oh, sequel. <laughs> That's a good question. That's a good point. I didn't realize. So at the end, when he he declares Zathura is the black hole like that was because I guess the whole time you don't realize what Zathura is. And I'm kind of just yeah. now as we're talking, making that connection because it could could have been a spaceship, could have been a planet. But then you realize it's the black hole that sucks everything back to normal, which is kind of cool actually the funny running gag was uh that Kristen stewart was in love with the astronaut which in turn turns out to be her younger brother so when they all go back and she's like never speak about this i was like oh yeah no but it's kind of a cool story and then they make a jab like how do you like my eyes or something like right. that right <laughs> uh, see and, to uh, me i thought I thought that was weird and borderline icky. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I don't, I, 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 like I get it. It's you know, like if you're 13 or 14, you see that and you're like, she loved her brother. But I don't know. I thought that was that I could have done without that. I guess to me, I think that was a, because we know John Favreau now as he does the Mandalorian is a huge Star Wars nerd. I think that was his nod to Star.
Star Wars of uh, Princess Leia oh, and Luke Skywalker. Interesting. Okay, that's that's fair. That makes sense. I like that. It was a very neatly wrapped movie. Like all the loose ends were tied up in ways that made sense and in ways that were entertaining. And I think that's why I know that's part of the reason I enjoyed it was it, it's not like it didn't leave itself open for a sequel, but it was perfectly fine on its own. Yeah. And I'd be excited if the new Jumanji's do decide to yeah. pay homage and go back into space. I think that would be especially considering the fact that going into space is almost like like I think Jason X. I feel like going into space is always kind of like the final ride. Um, yeah. I think it would be super cool. Like to see Kevin Hart and The Rock up in space. Uh-huh. Jack Black, I guess, too. Well, either so, I mean, yeah. whether it's whether it's with Jumanji or the Fast and Furious franchise, Rock is going to be in space at some point. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. that's true. With this one, because it was well-reviewed, I kind of went the reverse and then looked for poor reviews. I didn't like the Hollywood Reporter had a line in it. And I think maybe this this is just me taking getting triggered by it. But it says a rare beast, a family film that even childless adults can enjoy. I don't like that. I don't like how it's hmm. worded. <laughs> that does seem like a put down. Right. Of sorts or like, like a jab. Yeah, there's that's, a lot of kid films that I like. And it's not because I'm a why childless wouldn't, why adult. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Why wouldn't you just say a kid's film that even adults can enjoy? Right. Like, why, why do you have to why do you have to throw in childless you dick like I feel like not like that's almost like well you can't go to Chuck E. Cheese because you don't have kids that's fine all right but like I should be able to go see a kids film in a theater without having kids and not feeling like a weirdo but why do you need to qualify the word adult even more I mean adults a pretty a pretty specific term like why do you need to qualify it with childless like, I mean, so, why, why not write like, oh, a, a child's film that even barren adults can uh, or impotent adults can can enjoy? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, that's that was unnecessary. You, are you barren? You even might like Zathura. <laughs> Luke Baumgarten wrote his title was Black Hole Fun, which. Nice. Uh, nice. Whatever. A throwback to the to the mid 90s <laughs> for that reference. Nice. But he starts it. And this is why I think how people perceive this film before it came out is the number one reason why it went under the radar is he starts the review with we postulated that Zathura would be like Jumanji in space without Robin Williams friends we were exactly correct dead on couldn't have been writer yeah it's Jumanji fucking too <laughs> like if they just <clears throat> went with that we would have all been on board right I, I feel mean, like this I, I get why they couldn't because I mean, Jumanji without Robin Williams, like Robin Williams, even though I feel like Jumanji was ultimately a bigger movie than just the Robin Williams character or even him as an actor. Like if you marketed it as Jumanji 2 and Robin Williams wasn't in it, that was going to be a bomb from the start. Like that was there was no getting off off of, you know, first base with that. Whereas with this, I don't know that trying to camouflage it the way they did was pulling the wool over people's eyes that maybe they thought it was. But I get why they wouldn't want to just call it Jumanji 2 if Robin Williams wasn't going to be a part of it. Yeah. That's kind of how the reviews panned out. Yeah, the reviews were largely favorable, and it was the box office that really just killed this movie. I feel like I, I looked it up, and the budget was like $65 million and it made $65.1 million. Well, fun fact, also, marketing doesn't go in the budget. Ah. So however much they spent on marketing. But the marketing for this film, funny enough, included an episode of The Apprentice. <laughs> 
Favreau uh. appeared as a guest judge. The show's two teams were assigned the task of designing and building a float to publicize the film. That's how creative the marketing got. Wow, that's unfortunate. That's another, that's icky also. I would say icky is the word to describe that. You know, like I said at the beginning, like I don't really, like I remember the movie existing, but I couldn't tell you a thing about the fanfare or the hype or the marketing or anything like that behind it. I mean, 2005, like what was the big movie in 2005? Would it have been the Harry Potter movie that came out afterward? So that Um, was probably the big blockbuster. Well, the other thing, the company that produced this, which was Sony Pictures Releasing, or they distributed it. So they were in charge of like the marketing and whatnot. 2005, not a good year for them. So it started with Cursed, which was the Kevin Williamson werewolf script with Joshua Jackson and Christina Ricci. Do you remember that one? No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I feel like you just mad libbed that together. <laughs> Um, Bewitched, which was the Will Ferrell uh, yeah, Nicole okay. Kidman. That I recall. Uh, Zathura. And then the fourth film was The Chronicles of Narnia, which probably came out, I guess, in December. But that was it. They had four films this year. And I would say one of them would probably stand the test of time. So does that reflect poorly on the distributor or like, do they get thrown these? No, I think they buy it. They buy it to distribute. Oh, OK. So they're completely culpable for these decisions. Yeah. How they market it is based off of like the distributor or whatnot. So like our last conversation with Jessica Bendinger and she was like, yeah, no, we weren't in any of the papers right stick it was horribly marketed and so was i think zathura and i think they they went kind of off of john favreau who didn't really like jumanji and probably should have battled that a little bit so elf was 2003 and Mm -hmm. then Prior to that, was it just Swingers and Maid? So Maid was first. Yeah, he didn't direct Swingers. He wrote it. Um, That's right. That's right. That's right. So Maid was his first film. And then so he did Maid. He did Elf. He did Zathura. And then he did Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Cowboys and Aliens, Jungle Book, and then Lion King. Iron Man was his first film after Zathura. Is that correct? Yeah, because he was going to do John Carter. And then he didn't. (laughs) Well, thank God for that. (laughs) I mean, I feel like if there's anything we can celebrate at the end of this show, it's that, that whatever transpired between Zathura and the pitch of John Carter from Mars and Iron Man, whatever cosmic entity inspired him to pass on John Carter and kickstart the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, that's some that's some cosmic shit. I feel like that, you know, depending on how many different ways you can kind of like weaponize a board game, you know, I mean, they could have done one kind of like war games where it was like, you know, military or something like that. And then maybe it could have been the start of this whole like Jumanji cinematic universe, the JCU. I just think about how you brought him up before, but Jeremy really wants to do Battleship. Right, right. (laughs) And that's a based off of a board game. So maybe we'll do our own board game trilogy. Oh, so right. So we were talking about the Hunger Games before with the kid. So the the older brother is the kid, the lead guy, or one of the lead guys from the Hunger Games. I would, as I often do, I would posit the theory that this experience messed with his mind so much that he became a loner and then uh, became a part of this dystopian future where he used the survival skills that he learned in Zathura to help him survive the Hunger Games. Maybe. Maybe. Does he eat bread in this? Because he starts as a baker's son in Hunger Games. Oh, I know he can't make macaroni and cheese. (laughs) (laughs) But that I'm not sure if that if that plays into the Hunger Games at all. You know, not not the worst fan theory I've come up with. My favorite fan theory, and I say fan 
talking about myself, was the beach where Leonardo DiCaprio's character from Titanic died and wound up on the beach. <laughs> mm-hmm. He sunk. Yeah. <laughs> he sunk and was washed up on the beach. That's my favorite movie connection theory that we've made on this show so far, I think. <laughs> it's not the Karate Kid Back to the Future crossover? Well, that was more of a... God, man. That was more of a fantasy. Like That was more of just a wish list of, of movie sequels and character interactions and alternate timelines like that was that could be its own podcast that could literally be its own podcast because you could pull in ghostbusters you could probably pull in even like batman from the 80s like i don't even want to get started on that that's a lightning rod of just scintillating conversation i think but so Zathura, final thoughts? Final thoughts is it's a very fun movie. If you have the same standoffishness when it comes to Zathura, like MC and I both did, I still want to know who recommended this for us. But this movie caught me by surprise and was a very fun watch on a, I think I watched it on my snow day. And you know what? That's a perfect, it's an escapist movie. So a snow day is actually probably a pretty perfect day to watch it. But again, it's a movie that like you buckle in and when the ride's over, you feel just kind of completely satisfied and completely entertained. The fact that it went under the radar sounds like there were a lot of mitigating factors, but that's why we're here, right? Even if you're a childless adult, even if the worth of your person has been determined by whether or not you have children, according to the Hollywood Reporter or whatever it was, um, it was. You, you can still enjoy this movie. You have our permission. You have Second Chance Cinema's permission, Spro and MC's permission to enjoy this movie uh. as an adult. <laughs> And we love you for that. So, yeah, I would say final thoughts. Those are pretty perfect. I think that, you know what? I would challenge you. Watch Jumanji, then watch Zathura. Because chances are you've already seen Jumanji because it was such a big hit. You haven't probably seen Zathura because it was not. Watch them both and then see just honestly which one you like better. Or maybe more importantly, which you like for what reasons. How's that? Is that fair? That's good. That's good. All right. All right. So at the end of the show, listen up to the bumper telling you how you can get at us on social media. Um, if you've got recommendations for movies, we would love to hear them, especially if you were the one to recommend Zathura because apparently it was neither of us, but here we are talking about it. We would love to hear what you guys think of the show, whether or not you agree, disagree, think we're morons. It's all good. And that said, we appreciate you listening and we will absolutely catch you next time on Second Chance When I was a little boy, the devil called my name. I say now, who do? Who do you think you're fooling? I'm a consecrated boy. Singer in a Sunday choir. Zathura was produced by, oh boy, Columbia Pictures, Radar Pictures, Teetler Film, and Michael DeLuca Productions, and was distributed by Sony Pictures Release. Second Chance Cinema is a fan of the film and urges you to check it out. Closing credits music is from the soundtrack and is Paul Simon's Loves Me Like a Rock. Thank you for listening to this episode of Second Chance Cinema. If you have any comments, questions, corrections, or would like to recommend a movie for a future show, you can reach us at secondchancecinema at gmail.com. That's 2ndchancecinema at gmail.com. We have a Second Chance Cinema Facebook
Facebook group. You can find us on Twitter at MC and Spro or check us out on Instagram at 2ND Chance Cinema. To help our little show out, please tell your friends about us. Leave a review wherever you listen and be sure to subscribe and download each episode you listen to as those simple steps makes us much more visible in the universe, which makes these fine secret cinematic masterpieces more visible. And isn't that really the whole point? Now go on and have a beautiful day, you wonderful person, you. And if someone asks you if you want to play a board game, say yes, because we all need to play more board games nowadays. I'm not joking. Enjoy your day. I'm up on the presidential post.